You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Today we are starting a brand new series entitled Hark. Everybody say Hark. This is where we actually uh, get the, uh, the lyrics of the song Hark the Herald Angels Sing. So basically in these next four weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, angelic appearances uh, surrounding the birth of Christ. And when you talk about hark, hark simply means to listen. Everybody say to listen. Do you know the difference between hearing and listening? There's a big difference. You can actually hear something without listening to it, right? You can actually hear your wife say something, but you're not listening to her. Those are two different things, right? If your wife tells you to go to the grocery and you're hearing her to go to the grocery, you might end up going to Ace Hardware, okay? Because you're not listening to what she's saying, all right? And so uh, basically this whole series is about angelic visitations. And the angel Gabriel uh, has visited four... Uh, characters in the in the Bible that lead to the birth of Christ. And so we're going to be looking at today, week one, is the story of the priest named Zechariah. Everybody say Zechariah. And then next week, we're going to be talking about the story of Virgin Mary. Okay, so of course, we are so familiar with that story that happens right after the appearance of the angel with Zechariah in the temple. The third week, we're going to be looking at the story of the soon-to-be husband of Mary, Joseph. She was betrothed to Joseph, and an angel appeared in a dream and spoke uh, to Joseph as well. And on the last week, which is on December 25, December 24, December 25, we're going to be looking at the angelic appearance uh, with the shepherds, uh, shepherds in the hills. Okay, And so these are the four major characters that we're going to be looking at. And I believe that Really, when you talk about Christmas, Christmas can be a busy time for many of us. And, you know, how many of you already sense, of course, the holidays as early as September? You hear the, the music in the malls, you hear music playing, yet uh, many times we can actually miss out on the real message of Christmas. Because at the end of it all, how many of you know that Christmas is not about us? It's about Christ. Amen. Tell the person beside you, said to the person, Christmas is not about you. It's about Christ. Amen. So I know that culturally we have, you know, all this grow, growing up, we all have these trappings, the Christmas trees, the, you know, the Noche Buena, the, you know, the lights, the paroles, uh, this character uh, named Santa Claus, and so on and so forth. And, you know, the true message and the central figure of Christmas can actually be missed out if we would just ride along with what the commercialism is telling us. Amen. And I hope that this time around when we celebrate Christmas, that Christmas really will be filled with meaning with our families. Amen. You know, yesterday I was actually uh, 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 not coerced but forced, well actually convinced by my, by my daughters to do our Advent wreath already because we're supposed to do it on Sundays. And yesterday they prevailed on me because they were so excited to light the second candle. And so an Advent wreath is actually what we do uh, for the four Sundays leading to uh, Christmas Eve to anticipate the birth of Jesus. And so we talked about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. And so we take the time to be able to really celebrate why we're celebrating. okay? And we really uh, talk about Jesus and not just about you know what's 
what, what's a gift that you want to receive for Christmas? Okay, it's, it should be beyond that. Amen. And so that's exactly the reason why we're doing this Christmas series. And so today we're going to be looking at the priest called Zechariah. We're going to be reading from the scripture this morning from the ESV version. Luke chapter 1 verse 5 to 25. If you don't have a Bible, can you kindly just raise your hand? So that we can lend you a Bible. Okay. Uh, if you have a digital Bible, that's fine. You can open your uh, Bible through your iPads or iPhones or Samsung. So let's all stand up. And uh, let's read the text this morning. Luke chapter 1 verse 5 to verse 25. So this is a rather lengthy read. So hang in there. Just follow along. If you know this song, thus just sing along. All right. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child. Everybody say, no child. Because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside of the hour of incense and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. So that was like the, the greeting of the angel. For your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his, his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine, or strong drink, or he will be, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready, everybody say, make ready. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent. Everybody say, you will be silent. And unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay at the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning and the preaching of your word. I pray that you would illuminate this word, God. And we thank you, Lord, that as we 
uh, talk about the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, that you would encourage us. Indeed, you are a God who hears and answers prayers. May your name be glorified this morning. And I thank you, Lord God, that we will indeed have a real sense of why we celebrate Christmas. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. All right. So just to give us a short background of the story, this is actually a time when uh, there was no visitation from the Lord whatsoever. It was a time when uh, it was said by scholars that it was 400 years of silence. So the last time that the Lord spoke to the people of God in Israel was during the time of Malachi. During the time of Malachi, the Lord spoke. And the last time wherein the angel appeared to a human being was during the time of Daniel. The last time wherein miracles were happening left and right was during the time of Elijah and Elijah. So you would notice that during this time, they would no longer see supernatural things happening in their land. And so for Zechariah to have an angelic appearance, it would be a big shock. So maybe some of you would probably be, uh, you know, uh, experiencing the same thing that he experienced, the same reaction that he had, that he was fearful when this huge angel appeared before him. Now, in verse 5, it says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. Now, Zechariah was a priest. And, uh, you know, during that time, there were about 18,000 to about 20,000 priests. And uh, they are divided into different duties. And once in a lifetime, they are assigned to uh, serve in the temple. Now, this particular time, it was said that he was chosen by lot. Okay? And uh, the way it was done was, you know, they supernaturally, it was God who picked him out of the thousands of priests who would be serving that time. How many of you know that that was sovereign? His being chosen by God was really instrumental, not only for his prayer, for his own family, but even for the nation of Israel. Now, I believe that, you know, all of us has been chosen by God. Amen. The fact that you are here today serving the Lord. The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. Especially if you're in Akasha, you are called here, right? Many are called. You're freezing. But few are chosen, right? And so, we are all chosen by God. And just like the priest, Zechariah, he was chosen by God to serve at that specific time. Once a year, a high priest would offer incense in the temple on behalf of the people, and he was the one who was chosen by Lot. That was amazing. Now, he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Now, if you're familiar with the lineage of Aaron, Aaron is actually the brother of Moses, the, and their sister is Miriam. Now, from the, they're, they're priests unto God, and so they came from the family of priests. And even his wife, Elizabeth, came from that lineage. And in verse 7, it says, But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by Lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. You know, they have been serving as priests unto the Lord. And they're probably believing God. I don't know, year after year after year, they're asking God for a child. And it seems that, you know, their answer to prayer is tarrying and, you know, it's being delayed. And I don't know if they have given up at some point, but the Bible says that ultimately they have to face the fact that Elizabeth's womb was barren. How many of you know that 
if a woman is barren, it's his, she's incapable of giving birth to a child. How many of you know that, right? And somehow, you know, it is, you know, it is part of a, like, it's almost like a curse for them not to have babies. For them, having a child is a blessing from the Lord. And, you know, the more children you have, the Bible says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, Psalm 127. But yet this priest, Zechariah, did not have any children at all. So he was longing to have a child for the longest time. But yet his wife, Elizabeth, was barren. And then they were both advanced in years. Of course, uh, by that point, I don't know when, uh, when they probably just had to face the fact that you're incapable already of giving birth, you know. Uh, how many of us have actually had prayers like that? That, you know, we, we are praying and praying and praying for something and it seems like the answer is not coming for this prayer. Whether it's, you know, having a child, you know, just like Zechariah or, or and Elizabeth. Or maybe if you're single for the longest time, uh, you know, having a relationship, you know. Sana naman hindi ka mag isang Something like that. So, so you know... It, so I don't mean to you know, make fun of that particular situation, but how many of you know that marriage is not everything? Amen. For singles, being married is not the only way that can actually fulfill the longings of your heart. Amen. That's what I'm saying, okay? As long as you are with Christ, you are complete. That's what I'm saying, okay? And I'm happily married, by the way. But yet, you can be married and be miserable. You know, I believe that as a single person, many times you think that, you know, if I only will be married, that will make me happy. Guess what? I know people who are married who are not happy. And I also know singles who are not happy. Because joy is not brought about by any relationship outside the relationship with God. Amen. Ultimately, it's a relationship with God that will bring us, that will bring us through joy. And so, you know, maybe some of us are praying for a breakthrough. We, we look for this you know, in, in the, its past year. You know, 11 months already has passed and we've been waiting for maybe, I don't know, maybe a promotion or maybe a breakthrough in the business, a financial breakthrough or maybe healing uh, in our physical body. I don't know what you're praying for, but maybe some of us are asking the Lord, Lord, I've been praying and I've been praying and I've been praying and it seems like you are not listening. How many of you can relate with me on that? You know, maybe some of you students are praying for your grace to be resurrected from the grave. You know, I don't know. You know, Lord, it's about time. It's 2017 already. You know, give me a fresh start. You know, I don't know where you are right now, but, you know, we can all relate with this. People are praying for something. You know, I, I think what Paul, uh, not the Apostle Paul, but our Usher Paul earlier, our leader, shared uh, really what God is in his heart. He wants to listen and hear and answer our prayers. And we can see that in the story of Zechariah that for many, many years, they have been praying for a child. And the child is not there. And I hope that we will not give up. You know, it seems that at this particular point in his life, life is given up already because, number one, Elizabeth is barren. And secondly, they're both advanced in years. You know, scholars would say that Zechariah was about 92 years old by this time when he was a priest serving in the temple. How I many of you know that that might be a little bit difficult already to have a child? But how many of you know that there was Abraham and Sarah thousands of years before them 
And he probably should have remembered that story that God had made it work then. Why not do it now? But yet many times because of disappointments and discouragement and fear, and maybe because, I don't know, maybe because of tampo with the Lord, our faith has been broken. And some of us have wounded faith to believe God already for things already. Lord, I've been asking and asking and asking. And I've been crying out and I've been serving you and I've been waiting. The hardest thing to wait sometimes is to wait. Waiting is one of the most difficult things to do. Especially if you know that you are serving the Lord, you're righteous. Yet we can't really demand grace because grace is given to us. Amen. We don't deserve grace. No one deserves grace. Year after year, try to put yourself in the shoes of Zechariah. Year after year, or I don't know, they, they're probably crying out, Lord, you know, we pray for a child. What if one day Elizabeth just woke up nauseated and dizzy and, you know, uh, she's probably thinking, is this it, Lord? Is this it? I, you know, I missed my period already. She didn't realize she was menopausal already. They were asking, is it still possible for, for God to answer their prayers? They have been faithfully serving the Lord. And somehow they've seen the faithfulness of God in their nation. But yet, they were filled suddenly with disappointments. They were asking the Lord, Lord, what's wrong with us? Have we done anything wrong? Is there any sin that we have done? Why am I not pregnant yet? Why am I not married yet? Why am I not you know, having any financial breakthrough yet? Maybe the issue is our children. You know, Lord, our, ch- our children is not serving you right now. Why is that happening? We've been faithfully serving in this church for many, many years. Lord, why am I sick with cancer? Why is my friend sick with cancer? Maybe you're believing for healing for one of your family members. Stage one didn't happen. Then it became stage two, and then it became stage three, and then you're about to give up. Lord, what is this? Stage four? Is it still possible for you to answer this most difficult situation right now in my life? We face life like this. Amen. You know, somehow, some of the most difficult questions that we can ask is, Lord, why are bad things happening to good people? I'm serving you and I'm here. I want to be faithful to you. But yet, things are not happening the way I'm, I'm, I'm expecting them to be. I guess another question is, why are good things happening to bad people as well? Because, you know, these are some of the things that we can't really answer. Luke chapter 1 verse 6, they were both righteous before the Lord. They were walking blamelessly in the commandments and statutes of the Lord. It's obvious that in this particular case, it was not because of sin that they were barren. It was not because of the judgment of God. How many of you know that sometimes you can actually be condemned and say, Lord, maybe it's because of me. Maybe it's not because of you. Maybe it's just because of circumstances and maybe God wants to use your situation to ultimately glorify His name when He wants to answer your prayers finally. Verse 10, it says, The whole multitude of the people were praying outside in the hour of incense and there appeared to Him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. 
And watch the reaction of Zechariah. Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon them. Now if you look at the real meaning of angels, angels are actually, another name for angels is messenger of God. Okay, and many times I think growing up, we think of angels as like little babies, you know, with uh, almost like diapers, with harps or with a little arrow like Cupid, uh, you know, floating in the air. But how many of you know that that is not what a picture of a real angel is? It's more like this, okay? A real angel is actually a, you know, somebody with, you know, big wings, actually seraphs have six wings, okay? And they are mighty warriors before the Lord. In fact, one angel can annihilate one city. In fact, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed by angels. In first and second Kings chapter 19 verse 35, uh, one night an angel of the Lord appeared and annihilated 85,000 people from the Assyrian camp. That's what an angel can do. Amen. And so Zechariah knew that, that an angel, you know, can appear and if he is not ready, he can actually be destroyed just with one blow. And that was scary. You know how it is as a high priest, what they do normally also is that they put a bell on your foot and they uh, put a long uh, rope so that just in case you don't make it, they will pull you out of the Holy of Holies. You know how it is. If you go into the Holy of Holies in the presence of God and you have sin in your heart, you might actually be judged right there on the spot. And so he was thinking, is this it, Lord? Is this my day? But yet, the greeting of the angel was exactly the opposite. And he said, do not be afraid, Zechariah, because I have heard your prayers. And so that was exactly the statement. He came there, not just for anything else, not just to show up and, you know, make the glory entrance of the glory of God, but he came there in the presence of Zechariah to deliver one message. And the message that he wanted to deliver Zechariah was, your prayer has been heard. Amen. You know, we know that God is faithful even in the past. Amen. And even when we think that God is not moving and when we think that God has not answered our prayers, think again because I believe that God is doing something in our situation. He has never forgotten about us. In fact, the name Zechariah means the Lord remembers. It's interesting that his name means that, that Jehovah remembers. He was not forgotten by God. His prayers were not forgotten by God. We think that sometimes, you know, when we pray to God, we're just praying to the ceiling and, you know, it's not passing to the ceiling. But in reality, if your hearts are pure before the Lord, He hears your cry and He listens to your prayers. And He's just waiting for the opportune time to answer our prayers. Amen. You know, God's silence doesn't mean his absence. You know, many times we, we sense that He is not answering, He's silent. You know, there are three ways God answers our prayers, right? We know that. First answer is yes. If you pray for something, you immediately get that. You know, when, I was, when we were like new in the Lord, you know, it's almost like every time you pray for a parking space, you get a parking space. Lord, I pray for a parking space. Boom! You get a parking space. And there are times God says, no, because that's not good for you. And there are times as well that God says, wait, or not yet. And I think during those times, 
the hardest thing to receive from the Lord is that response to wait. I would rather hear a yes or a no. At least I know exactly what to expect. But to wait, I don't know when it's going to be, what it's going to be like, or how it's going to be like. That's the hardest thing to do. Pastor Rain was invited to watch a play uh, in one of the malls here. And, you know, for those of you who've watched plays, you know, in the middle of a play, there's actually an intermission. And, um, you know, there's like a first act and second act. And in the middle of that, it's like, I don't know, maybe 15 minute or 30 minute intermission or 30 minute act, uh, uh, a break. And it seems that if you see this curtain that's closed in a theater or in a play, nothing's happening. You know, people are actually outside having coffee, you know, buying pizza or eating, you know. And it seems like, okay, behind the curtains, there's nothing happening. But how many of you know that something is happening behind the scenes? They're actually setting up for the next act. And even before the next act opens, there's probably a change of costumes, a change of props, a change of backdrop, a change of, you know, production design, a change of, you know, maybe they're tuning their instruments, maybe they're checking their sounds again, they're checking the lights. And I believe that they are getting ready for the next act. And I believe that God is somehow like that to us, that when we think that there's nothing happening before our eyes, that nothing is happening in our situation. Amen. But think again, because something is happening behind the scenes. Amen. God is getting ready for the next chapter of our lives. Amen. And so be encouraged. You know, God is just preparing something big to happen before us. You know, even during this time in history, you know, the, it was during the time of the Romans that uh, God chose that this will actually happen. And the Roman Empire grew in power in very new territories. And Augustus Caesar was the first emperor of the Roman Empire. And because of the Roman Empire, they've widened their territory. You know, they've actually brought about one common language among, uh, among all their uh, territories, and that's the Koine Greek. So everywhere you go, everybody's speaking Greek. And somehow the first Bible was written in Greek. You know, it was so strategic, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the 400 years of silence seemed to be, you know, nothing's happening there. But I believe that God is preparing a way for planet Earth to be ready for the coming of the Savior King, the Messiah. So he was preparing that, you know, the, the Koine Greek language, the Roman roads are being fixed. You have, you have now access to different kinds of territories and different nations. There's the Roman peace, the Pax Romana, where when you go from one nation to the next, you don't need a visa. I don't know, maybe yet. And yet you have actually the capability of traveling without fearing for your life. And so at this opportune time, the Bible says, the Son of God was born. God is doing something behind the scenes that we don't even are, we're not even aware of. And I believe even as we check our, you look at our life, it seems like there are times wherein God is silent and God is not moving and God is not speaking to us. Think again, God, I believe, is just preparing the scene for the next act. We may have forgotten our prayers in the past, but God always remembers them. Amen. God never forgets. God always. Remember you. 
Luke chapter 1 verse 15 says, For he will be great before the Lord. And this is now talking about John the Baptist. He was not just given a son. They were asking just for a son. We want a child. We want a baby. We want a boy. But yet there is something more in this child that came with him. And he said, and the, and the angel said, He will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. That was a prophetic word. And it's, you know, it's important for us to take note that the last verse in the last book of the Old Testament, the final chapter, was exactly this, the fulfillment of the prophecy of Malachi. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, it says, See, I will send you a prophet Elijah, which is being described as John the Baptist, before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. John the Baptist is not just an ordinary baby. Amen. He was one that was chosen by God to prepare the way for the Lord, the coming of our Savior King. God's answers are bigger than our prayers. Paul also shared this earlier, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. God is not just faithful in the past. He's also faithful in the present. Amen. And we see that even in the story of uh, Zechariah. And Zechariah said to, to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. You know, in other words, what he is saying is, don't you see who I am, how I am right now? I am old. You know, you, you, you smell, you know, I always, I always, I always uh, smell like Bengay already at night. You know, I, I put this on, you know, it's, it's, I always have back pains already. I'm old and my wife's uh, ovary is expired already. Don't you see that? But God is faithful even with our present situation, no matter what limitations we have. Amen. He is faithful in the past, and he will always be faithful in the present. Then he said to him, I am Gabriel, stand in the presence of the Lord, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be what? You will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Next week, we're going to be talking about Mary. And somehow when Mary heard the message of Gabriel, she also said the same thing. How could this be since I was a virgin? We're going to talk about that next week. And why is it that Zechariah was considered someone who did not believe and Mary was one who was celebrated among women? We don't know that, but that was what the word, what the word says. It says here that because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time I will be silencing you. And somehow God disciplines his child. How many of you know that many times God disciplines us because he loves us? And he, he wants to silence, just to silence us just so that we will not speak doubt and unbelief. You know how it is. God doesn't want us to meddle in what he's doing. So if, if we're, if we're going to be contributing doubt and worry, he's going to silence us. 
And that's the work of the Lord. God wants him to think about what he has done. For nine months, he cannot speak. In other words, God shuts up Zechariah to time out, to teach him to trust his love and his character. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 says, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. Everybody say, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. In other words, God's timing is always perfect, even if we are not perfect. We may have limitations right now, but let me just tell you this. God is faithful in our present situation. He has been faithful in the past. He is faithful in our present. He'll always be faithful to the very end. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says, He has made everything beautiful in His time. Also, He has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to end. God knows exactly what He is doing. But yet, when He reveals it in His proper time, it is so beautiful. Luke 1 verse 25, uh, sorry, 21 says, And the people were waiting for Zechariah. And so here we see that he was not able to speak. But yet, later on, nine months after, when he was about to give, uh, you know, to, 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 uh, to give birth, they made signs to his father inquiring. This was Zechariah asking what he wanted to be called because they were asking what they should be naming this child. They were thinking of naming him like the dad, Zechariah. And the angel specifically spoke to him that you will name him John. And so he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And the moment that he wrote this, it was as if it's a sign of faith and belief on the part of Zechariah. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke blessing before the Lord. That was the only time that he spoke again because the moment he spoke, it was no longer a speaking of doubt. It was a speaking of blessing and faith. Amen. He started declaring praise and blessing and faith unto the Lord our God. Amen. And I believe that many times if we have nothing to say, it's better to shut up. It's better to be silent. A fool, the Bible says, a fool is thought wise if he silences his mouth, the Bible says. If we have nothing to speak that's positive, better to be silent. That's a good actually. That's a good lesson actually for uh, husband and wife. If you are fighting, okay, the best strategy is to keep silent. Okay, in the middle of the fight, but you talk about it later on. Okay, don't engage at the moment. All right. Last point is God is faithful in the future. He is faithful in the past. He is faithful in the present, and he will always be faithful in the future. And after this, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived, and for five months she kept her hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. This barrenness, this aging in years without having a baby has actually brought about a reproach to them as a family. Something that they don't want to have is a barren family. They always celebrate children during that time. But at this point, it is not just really the birth of John the Baptist that took their soul's barrenness. It was the coming of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ that actually took the reproach and barrenness. Zechariah was given a son 
who prepared the way for the only begotten Son. His reproach was not just removed because John the Baptist was born in his family, but ultimately his reproach was taken away because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross. His reproach was actually answered not just on his own family's term, but actually the whole entire world benefited from what uh, was given by, by God. God's grace has taken away our disgrace ultimately. Amen. You know, I actually shared this in, um, in our Cherish Traditions seminar. And, you know, as a family, we, we, we love to celebrate Christmas. And for years, we actually look forward to, you know, just having a time together with families. And so, uh, you know, we, what we have done in the, in the past year, ever since we have started our journey as a family, is we've taken pictures on how we have grown as a family. Every year, we celebrate uh, the coming of the Lord, and we have traditions that we have actually inculcated in them the, the coming of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there was a particular year in 2003, and some of you have heard of this story. 2003, uh, wherein we celebrated Christmas not in a normal way, but in a very difficult way. Uh, in fact, this particular year, we were uh, building our facility in Festival Mall, and at the same time, my second child, my only son, Jerome, got sick of tuberculosis meningitis. And for two months, he was actually in the Asian hospital. We stayed there for two months, but you know, because we're building our facility in Festival Mall, I had to uh, shuttle back and forth. But yet, that particular moment, we were trusting God and believing God and praying to God and asking the Lord, Lord, you know, we're we're pastors and we're you know we're we're serving you and we're asking you for healing for our son and you know it's kind of like the story of Zechariah and asking the Lord for a miracle and we've we're thankful for the church for the prayers that they've actually uh, uh, done and stood with us for for the, those two months you know Jerome is actually a very active boy you know nothing wrong with him growing up except that he contracted this uh, bacteria that was very active in October of 2003. And, you know, this is some of his pictures uh, as a normal boy until he got sick. Uh, for, for some reason, he became incoherent. And you can understand his, uh, what he's saying to you. Uh, and so we brought him to the hospital and... Uh, they suspected that he might be sick with uh, dengue. They tested him for dengue, but it was negative for all typhoid. And then they took a fluid from his uh, lumbar, uh, from his uh, spinal column, and ultimately it was cultured, and they discovered that there was a bacteria there that is blocking uh, the brain. Um, at this particular time, we were asking the Lord to sustain us with this grace because we're believing God for healing. And we're, you know, I was kind of documenting every... Uh, time or every week because I know that one day my child will come out of this uh, thing okay. And so he celebrated his birthday there November 24 and um, at that particular time the doctors had to make a decision to operate on him because they found out that there was excessive fluid in his brain that is uh, causing the pain and the, the spasm uh, of his entire body. And so and that was the time when he was brought to the ICU. Uh, I remember that when I was bringing him first for an MRI operation, he could not speak anymore. And the only time or the only signal that uh, he would give to me was a, actually a press uh, in my hand. And so I told him, you know, if, if, you're, 
if you're afraid, just hold on to my hand and I'll be here during the time of the MRI. And so, uh, Jerome, I, I'm here for you. We're here for you and I love you. If you want to say I love you, just press my hand. And so that's the only way that we communicate. He was not talking anymore. So after the operation, we were hoping that things will be okay. And when he recovered, uh, when, we, when he opened his eye for the first time after a long while, uh, he started talking again. And the words that he spoke, I vividly remember was, Daddy, I want uh, chicken nuggets. And so that's the words that he spoke. And so I asked him, how many chicken nuggets do you want? You know, 10 pieces, 20 pieces. So, you know, I, I went to McDonald's, bought the chicken nuggets, but I never heard him speak again. That was the first and the last that he spoke, and he never spoke again. And so then his situation became uh, worse than before. And at this particular point, he was no longer, I don't know if he recognizes us, but somehow he was still trying uh, to to celebrate with us, trying to, you know, um, to play the piano even in, in Asian Hospital. But at uh, the last Sunday of, uh, of December 2003, December 28, was a time when he eventually passed away. And so our, our hopes and our faith somehow were smashed because we were believing for healing and miracle, but yet we asked, Lord, what happened? You know, why... Did this thing happen to us? And we're asking the Lord, you know, is this a test? But yet me and my wife were holding our hands and we decided at that particular point, instead of us getting bitter before the Lord, we're going we're gonna to serve Him even better. We said, Lord, may your name be glorified. Even as Job has declared, naked we came from our mother's womb, naked we will depart. Blessed be the name of the Lord. May your name be glorified. And so is that like the chapter that has ended in our family's life? But I believe that God somehow has redeemed this situation. We turned our uh, grief into worship. And we decided to just go on and glorify the Lord. You know, the hardest thing for us to have is to bury a child because it is not normal for, for fathers to bury their children. It's normal for children to bury their, their, their parents at their old age. But we knew that, uh, you know, Jerome is saved and Jerome is serving the Lord. Amen. And somehow we are grateful for his life. But the thing is, the story did not end there. God has something that is miraculous as well. When he provided for us two more daughters. And when we buried Jerome 2004 of January... Uh, May of that year, we went to Baguio for a pastor's retreat, and we received a prophetic word from the pastor, from, from uh, the prophet Jim Lafoon, and he prophesied, I'm going to be giving you two more arrows in your quiver. And he declared that I'm going to take away the grief from your home, and I'm going to replace it with joy. And, you know, the, the following year, uh, the miracle happened, and we have Anna as our uh, new baby girl. Uh, that. And this is actually our Christmas photo. I actually just uh, retrieved this uh, earlier because we were celebrating the birth of the Lord Jesus and at the same time the birth of our new baby. And so God has been faithful to us. God's grace always sustains us. Amen. Come on, can we give the Lord praise for that? I guess I wanted to share that story because, you know, when you talk about prayer, we all go through 
the most difficult times of believing God for answers and miracles. And sometimes the expected answer that we have is not what comes out. We ask for healing, we ask for a miracle, we ask for God to restore Jerome, and I guess it was not in the form or the manner that I expected it to be. I know today that Jerome is so much alive. He is alive and well. Amen. He's in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's no longer sick, but at the same time, he was able to turn things around for us as a family and has brought joy. I want to end with this, and this goes back to John the Baptist. It says in Luke chapter 7, verse 28, I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. It's amazing that Jesus declared this about his cousin. And indeed, John was one of the greatest prophets in the Old Covenant. The Old Testament prophets did not see and you know, uh, experience what you and I are experiencing right now because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. John the Baptist was the forerunner of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus brought about a new covenant for us. A covenant that took our shame and took our reproach and took away our punishment because of exactly what He has done on that cross. And I believe that for all of us today who are asking the Lord for prayers, uh, for answers to our prayers, God is there with us. Amen. He is faithful to us in the past. He is faithful to us today. And He will continue to be faithful to us in the coming days, in the future. Amen. Can we just bow our heads right now as we, as we pray? Thank you, Lord. Father God, I just pray for some of us who are here. Maybe some of you are here with wounded faith. You've actually prayed for things and miracles in your life and it may seem that nothing is happening in your situation. Maybe it's a relational uh, problem. Maybe it's a financial problem. Maybe it's a marriage problem. Maybe it's kind of like Zechariah and Elizabeth. You're asking for a child. Or maybe it's a relationship that you're asking for. And whatever that is, maybe you've been tarrying for a long time and maybe your faith has been wounded. My prayer is that God will hear, heal our faith and that we will learn to believe God again. If that is you, with all heads bowed down, I want you to lift up your hand right now so that I can pray for you. Anybody who's believing for something and it's been taking a while and it's been tarrying. Father God, you see these hands and I pray God that you would bless them God even today. I thank you, Lord God, that you will encourage their hearts in the name of Jesus. Take away the pain. Take away the frustrations. Take away the disappointments, Lord God. Take away the reproach, even, Lord God, of that situation in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that you would turn things around for them. Indeed, you are a God who hears our prayers, a God who answers our prayers, and a God who even answers beyond what we even ask or imagine. Father, I thank you that you will heal our hearts even today, Lord God. Lord, teach us to believe again. Teach us to trust you again. Teach us even to forgive. I thank you, Lord God, that you will take away any bitterness from our hearts even right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you will restore even our faith right now, every wounded faith, Lord God, in this room, that you would restore us so that we can trust you again because we know that you are a faithful God. 
Father, even your word says in Psalm 100 verse 4, Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. We thank you, Lord God, that your very nature is good. There's nothing wrong with you. Your attribute is goodness, Lord God, all throughout. And Father God, we thank you that your plan for your people is great. That we should not give up. But we would learn how to wait, Lord. Thank you for encouraging your people even this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name.